0: Welcome to Bullpen Sessions, where you will learn the lessons from the athletes excelling at the highest level, so you can take these same lessons and apply them to your sport, business, and life. My name is Andy Neary, and each week I sit down with current and former pro athletes and other professionals tied to the sports world, where we dive into the mindset of those athletes excelling at the highest level, teaching you lessons you can apply so you can have massive success in your sport, business, and life. So do me a favor, grab your glove, grab a ball, take the mound, because you are about to strike out those limiting beliefs that have been holding you back for oh so long. Here we go. Hey, welcome back to Bullpen Sessions. I'm excited this week to have Amanda Banks join the podcast. Amanda is the founder of Sports to Suits. I wanted to have Amanda on because she is building something really cool for Former athletes. You know, one of the struggles athletes have is transitioning from phase one, which is their athletic endeavors, into phase two, which is the rest of life business. And so she's building a business to help those athletes make that transition successfully. And I wanted to have her on, want to talk about her own journey. She's a former gymnast that competed at an extremely high level at a young age, but got burnt out which so many kids do today, especially with all the travel programs and the time requirements sports uh, have today. So we talk about that, what it was like to compete in gymnastics at such a high level. The moment she realized she no longer wanted to do it, she was burnt out. But then we transition into what she's doing with sports to suits to help those athletes make that transition. And this is an episode that really speaks to my heart. It's why I started the Bullpen Sessions podcast was to help athletes take make those mindset shifts that allowed them to be successful on the field. And so they can have the same success in business or whatever endeavors are part of chapter two. So, this is a really special episode for me. If you are a former athlete or a parent of a current athlete, this is going to be a really good episode to listen to. So, I hope you take some notes. I hope you pass it on to your child. And here we go Amanda Banks, founder of Sports to Suits. Shift your mindset. All right. Welcome back to Bullpen Sessions. I'm excited today. That I have Amanda Banks from Sports to Suits joining me. Amanda, welcome to Bullpen Sessions.
1: Happy New Year, Andy. Thanks for having me. I was so excited to get to know you a bit on my show last week. So I'm super excited to continue the conversation. Absolutely. Like likewise,
0: third. likewise. And I, I, I'm embarrassed if you're watching the video. It's January. We're recording this on January 3rd. I, we still got the stockings up behind me. So <laughs> yeah, we haven't we haven't forgotten Christmas quite yet. Now. You're coming live from Nashville. I'm supposed to be there tomorrow night. How's the weather?
1: Um, Well, we had quite the dramatic shift. We went from 78 to snow. So now we have a little bit of snow. This was all in like 24 to 48 hours. So Andy, you're in for a treat. And if I told you what the weather was going to be, it may actually be different than what I say. So it's a surprise. (laughs)
0: Well, so the conference I'm going to, I've gone to several times over the years. And the first one I went to, was in 2006, 15 or 16, and it's always held at the Gaylord Opryland. And that was when you guys had the 100-year snowstorm. Do you remember were you still, were you in Nashville at the time? Yeah. So we get to that we get to the conference, you know, if if anybody's been to the Opryland Gaylord, it's like a city under a roof.
1: And it's beautiful. So it's, if you have not been, definitely check it out.
0: And the day we arrived, I think you guys got Nashville got like 11 inches of snow, which is absolutely like we were literally imprisoned at the Gaylord Opryland because we couldn't go anywhere but again it's so big we were okay but man I, I remember that storm you, you have storms like that out here in Colorado we're used to it but when it happens in a place like Nashville people are like
1: ah! <laughs> well and it's not like so these things happen so quickly we literally had 78 degree weather a couple days ago and then it snowed last night and so it's not like anybody has any opportunity to prepare for this like it's it just happens. <laughs>
0: Well, so if you're listening, and Amanda and I are just going to talk about the weather in, in between Nashville and Colorado for the next 40 minutes, so um, just get prepared, take some notes. Uh, we're going to let you know what things are like in both of our, our areas. No, I'm kidding. Amanda, here's why I wanted you on. Okay. You and I both have athletic backgrounds, and I want you to talk about your um, childhood endeavors as a gymnast. Uh, gymnast because I know that's a very intensive sport. And then we're going to segue that into what you're doing today with sports and suits, because I think it's so cool um, how you're helping athletes transition from let's call it chapter one to chapter two. So let's start with the early aged Amanda Banks. (laughs) And how, you know, where were you born? Where are you from? How did gymnastics play a big role in your life?
1: Yeah, I was born in Ohio um, around the age of, I think, five or six, we moved to Indiana and I was one of those kids that just constantly climbed all over the furniture and was very high energy. And so my parents put me in a gymnastics class and I just I, I still to this day remember it. I walked in and I just was in such awe like I it was love at first sight. And I think I was six when I first started and I just absolutely fell in love. And so from that point on, like I was hooked, I was all in, I was ready to go. There was no questions. (laughs) Like even the coaching staff was like, yep, we got to go. And so from that point on, I I trained in gymnastics.
0: So I got to ask you, you're born in Ohio, moved to (laughs) Indiana. Are you a Buckeye or a Hoosier?
1: Well, I actually grew up in Nashville.
0: Okay, okay,
1: (laughs) and and so I, I mean, I'm just I'm a sports fan. We'll just leave it at that. Let's not get into the politics of of (laughs) what (laughs) team.
0: I had to ask. I'm a Badger, and you know, when you're in the Big Ten, you've got Indiana, you've got Ohio State. You know, depending on which way you would have answered that, would have (laughs) definitely had an impact on the rest of this conversation. Um, (laughs) so okay, so Jim, you're awed by gymnastics, um. Kind of fast forward a few years for us, because I know you quickly realized that you're actually really good at this thing called gymnastics. And talk about that success. You know, you had a lot of success as a child in gymnastics. And where did it lead you? To what point did you get to from a competitive scale? Because I think when most people think of gymnastics, Amanda, they think the Olympics, right? Talk about how you were able to continuously grow the success you had in gymnastics and, and what impact did that have on your life?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So gymnastics is levels usually two through 10. Now they have some excels and some other kind of scoring mechanisms, but at the age of six, you know, I was all in and I quickly grew through the ranks. Um, throughout my gymnastics career, I became a level 10 gymnast at 10 years old, which is such an anomaly, um, usually gymnasts peak very young, but I was super, super young when I hit level 10. And so once you get to level 10, there's really a couple of paths to go. One, you either go and train as an elite gymnast and you go and train for the Olympics or you hold off until college. And so at that age, we were kind of having the conversations about what the path was and I was 10, 11 years old, You know, so those are daunting conversations to have. But I was very physically gifted. So gymnastics was just something that I just was very talented at. And I had a lot of discipline around the sport and I had incredible coaches. So that was kind of this beautiful combination of seeing success in the sport, but getting to you know such a high level at such a young age, it was that challenge of what do we do next?
0: What decision did you ultimately make?
1: So I really didn't make any decision. (laughs) So my parents at the time were going through a pretty nasty divorce. Um, And so at 11, you know, I was dealing with some pretty significant challenges at home. Um, My mom also developed breast cancer around that time as well. And so not only was, you know, my gymnastics career, I was starting to get a little bit burned out. We were starting to talk about what are the next steps. But I was also dealing with a lot at home. And so ultimately, I just said, screw it to everything. I was done. I was over. You know, gymnastics became kind of this catalyst of negativity in some way. Um, And so at 13, around 13-ish, you know, I went back and forth a couple of times. But around the age of 13, I just quit. I was done. I didn't want to be in the gym anymore. And I was super burnt out.
0: So let's – the. I want to go two places with that because I think a lot of people, especially if you've watched, for most people, I think their knowledge of the Olympic, uh, of, of gymnastics is when they watch the Olympics every four years, right? And I think one word that resonates with a lot of people when they think of that sport is strict, right? Your regiment, whether it's diet, exercise, you know, when you're competing at a level 10, as an 11 year old. Talk about what that was like. You know, what, what was your routine and your regiment Like (laughs) even at that age to be competing at such a high level.
1: Yeah. So I, I remember like when all of my friends were like going and hanging out and doing fun stuff, you know, I was leaving school, going home quickly, grabbing some snacks and heading over to the gym. So we practiced hours and hours and hours, typically six days a week. And so when you look at a friend circle or you start talking to kids that are competing at a super high level like that, usually their entire world is based around one school and then two, the sport. And so as far as a routine was considered, you know, I was really young, so we didn't do a significant amount with diet, right? Like there was not, we didn't have a huge focus on diet, although I did need to fuel my body. So I ate a lot. Um, But we did have, you know, chiropractors and physical therapists, and we had people around us to help us, you know, keep our bodies safe. But we worked out all year, (laughs) every year for multiple hours a day just to get to that point. And so, you know, when you look at that from a really young age, you know, your entire friend circles there, your whole life is that of the sport.
0: I want to ask this question about that because I think this actually might be some really good advice for the parents who might be listening in today because you look at sports today at that age, it's all travel stuff, right? Everything is such a time commitment. I remember when I was 11, even when I was 14, 15, you could play football in the fall, basketball, wrestling in the winter, and then you go pick up your baseball glove in the, in the spring. And it doesn't seem to be that way anymore. It's like you have to commit to one sport and that's the only sport you play all year long. When did you realize you no longer Two two part question? When did you realize you no longer enjoyed gymnastics? And what would you say led you to that conclusion? Because today, I hate to say it. I think it's a lot of parents who push their kids so hard. But what led you to that conclusion that, man, I just can't do this anymore?
1: I think in my scenario, it was a lot of what was surrounding me, you know, a lot of the environment worrying about, you know, what was going on at home, worrying about my mom and what she was going through, you know, just the the disorder, (laughs) I guess, um, you know, I I started realizing that I wanted to be around other kids and do other things and start hanging out with other people and live what I thought in quotations was a normal life. So, you know, you go through in my case, you get to teenage years and you're like, oh, well, I see people are going out with their friends and they're doing other things other than me just being in the sport. And so, you know, with the the perfect storm of the family scenario and then me having to go to the gym multiple hours a day. With just the same kids that I've been around, like I just wanted more. Um, And so you talk about travel sports, you know. I actually have a daughter in travel soccer, Um, you know, but we don't limit her solely to that sport. If she wants to try other things, by all means. And that was kind of Andy, where I, where I came to, is like I wanted to try cheerleading for whatever reason. I wanted to try that. I wanted to try volleyball. I wanted to try other sports, and. my gymnastics career the commitment to that would not necessarily allow me to dive into some other things
0: got it you know what advice would you give parents these days you know i know this this happened to you this burnout happened to you at a pretty young age right but now looking as a parent of a child on a travel team and 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 knowing there's so many parents out there that have their kids in these travel sports that require a lot of dedication Do you have any advice you'd give that parent? Because again, you see a lot of these parents, they pay a lot of money (laughs) to have these kids in these programs. They push. What advice would you give that parent today?
1: Listen, it's very simple. Just listen, listen to your kids. If they're starting to talk about other activities or interest in other things, don't deny them the ability to be curious, just listen to them. You know, I I can't say that if my situation would have been different and it wasn't all in in gymnastics, like I can't say what that situation would be, but I do know like with my daughter, I listen. I talk to her, I understand, hey, do you wanna try to do something else? I don't ever push. I see a lot of parents that just push and there's a time and place for that, right? Like you wanna see somebody commit to something and have discipline around it and do the things to help get them successful. But there's that delicate balance as being a parent, like the sport is for your kid, not necessarily for you.
0: Well, and I I can speak, I don't have my own children, but I speak from an uncle. (laughs) Um, the one thing I see at the youth sports level, especially when they get into high school, that frustrates me is a lot of coaches preach how they love having multi-sport athletes, but then they use it against you when you can't participate in some of the off-season stuff because you're in that other sport. They use it against you when at the beginning they sold the fact they want multi-sport athletes. So it's, it's harder and harder these days to be a multi-sport athlete. I think at the, at a young age, because Again, the time commitment from each sport's bigger, but I also feel like some of the coaching at those levels is almost asking for you to be committed to that one sport throughout the entire year. It's it's a completely different playing field, no pun intended, than I think you and I experienced um, when we were at that age. I got one question. I'm curious. Hindsight's 2020, but go back to when you were 11. Let's say you did make the decision that okay, I want to go the path. I wanna to try to go for it and I wanna to try to make the Olympics someday, maybe the next five, six years. What would your life looked like had you made that choice?
1: So that's a really interesting question and I'm not gonna get very political here, but if you look at the timing and you look at all of the things that have gone on with the gymnastics community, um, my life could have looked a little bit differently. Um, so I will say, you know, I had incredible coaches. I still am in contact with a lot of those coaches today um but life would have looked a lot different so to me it was a blessing you know i still am involved in the gymnastics community you know i went back and forth a couple of times to try to get back in the sport when i got a little bit older it's just once i got that taste of freedom (laughs) it was hard to go back to that but i still i coach one day a week um so i'm still in the gym I, i like to get my feet on the beam i like to be in the environment i love to be around the gymnastics community but you know, it, it was ultimately a blessing for me to, to make that decision.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about it. So let's, let's fast forward. Now looking at where you are today, right. The founder of sports to suits, how would you say your athletic, how has your athletic career impacted what you do in business today?
1: Well, I mean, we just launched Sports to Suits and it's very much geared towards some of the problems that I faced out of the transition of the sport. You know, I personally understand what it's like and I I can't step in the shoes of all these people, but I understand what it's like to go from something that you're so incredibly passionate about to stopping (laughs) for whatever reason and having to go to the next phase of life and not just go, but navigate making that happen. And so with sports to suit specifically, you know, I have a pretty soft heart and passion for these athletes that are having to go through that process because me personally, luckily, Andy, I was young. So I had the blessing of being able to do some stupid stuff when I was a young kid. Right. But if some of the stuff that I did at, you know, 15 and 16, I did at 26 or 27, I would not have had the same blessing that I did. So I have a, pretty significant heart and passion around these people.
0: So let's talk about with as much as you can share what you are doing with sports and suits. So for the listener saying, okay, this is the first time I've ever heard of this (laughs) sports and suits thing, sports to suits thing. What is it you guys are doing to help impact those athletes moving from what's called chapter one to chapter two of their life?
1: Yeah, so we're building out a workforce development solution specifically to help collegiate level and professional level athletes go from sports to business. So that takes on a lot of different things, right? But we're looking at it from an inclusive standpoint to where how can we actually get these people from rather than going broke or rather than trying to figure out how to navigate all these things on their own, how can we give them a clear and concise pathway to see success in what you said, phase two of their lives, which you know, Andy, you've tapped into it. I've tapped into it. For former athletes, we have very unique skill sets that if tapped into appropriately, man, we can freaking kill it in business, but we just have to know how to get there. And we have to have the discipline and, and the focus and the all the things that athletes have in the business setting as well. So our goal really is is how can we get these athletes From point A to point B, whether that's a career, whether that's entrepreneurship, whatever that may be, and give them the tools and resources to successfully do it so they don't have to go through some of the things that we did.
0: You know, this speaks to my heart, Amanda, because this is literally why I started the bullpen session podcast was to help former athletes who are now transitioning to phase two of their life, let's call it the rest of their life, that could be once high school's over, once college is over, if they were lucky enough to play a professional sport, once that's over. Because it requires a lot of mindset shifts. It does. And so where do you see, and there may not be a clear answer to this, but where do you see athletes struggle? when they make make that transition (laughs) there's a
1: lot of different places i think mindset is like you nailed it on the head mindset is a big challenge you know when you go from having your entire life planned for you Mm -hmm. i mean everything from going to practice even you know older you know athletes that are a little bit older nutritional plans all these things are in place and then you actually you lose that you're lost so you have to figure out mentally how do you shift to be able to accommodate some of these things that you don't necessarily just have handed to you. Um, You know, financial literacy is a big topic for a lot of people. You know, you've gotta understand, especially higher paid athletes, you've gotta understand what is the debt to income ratio? You know, how much money am I actually making? What are assets, what are liabilities? And so there's a big gap in a lot of different capacities, but athletes, we've all shared some of the similar things. You know, we're used to having discipline structure routine and then we go to having a little bit of freedom and we don't necessarily know how to incorporate that ourselves so that's one of the biggest things that i see
0: you know it's funny you say that because at a micro level i saw that even in the jump between high school and college yep they're still athletes right you're playing now a collegiate sport where i saw those athletes that were able to make that jump and those that fizzled out even though they were extremely talented was in high school it's even more structured right you go to you're in class from let's call it 7 45 to 3 p.m you go right to practice you come home eat dinner you do your homework rinse and repeat you get to college and on Tuesday you might only have two classes even though you got practice and you get everything else it's not as structured and the the guys on my in my standpoint on my baseball team that could not handle that freedom the responsibility of that freedom are the ones that, though immensely talented, often fizzled out.
1: Well, and the reality is, is a lot of these like players. I mean, I started when I was around six. Yep. You probably started really early. Like that's all developmentally, developmentally we knew. <laughs> and so now we're having to navigate these things without tools to do so. And it's not that we are like intending to go wild with the freedom that we have, right? But we just don't necessarily how to navigate that and how to position that into a way to where we can incorporate some of that structure and feel confident that we're making progress in a totally different capacity.
0: Well, and you know what my epiphany was, Amanda, with sports and how it tied into my business life, my business success is I wasn't, I was not a success in business for for quite a while. I struggled for a long time, but, When I looked back and I said, wait a second, I started playing organized baseball when I was like four, right? T-ball. But I didn't become a professional baseball player until I was 21. Now, I get it. You can't become a professional baseball player when you're 12. But that was 17 years that it took me to to, to make it to the professional level. So now equate that to business. You're now doing something you've never done before. You're that four-year-old playing T-ball. It's not like you're going to have business success tomorrow. It takes time and I think again for athletes that's a that's a challenge mentally because we're so used to put the work in and see the result and it but we forget sometimes even in that sport we've been we played that sport for decades before we get, became elite at it. Does that make sense?
1: Totally makes sense. I would also like to throw in there a little bit of ego as well. Like, let's just call it like it is. You know, a lot of athletes, and I I had it too, right? Like, you're used to being put on you know, pedestal to some degree, and you're used to, you know, being known as this athlete. And then all of a sudden you're trying to figure out, so you have a little bit potentially of an ego that you're dealing with. And so you're told, Hey, these things are going to translate from sports to business. You'll do really good in sales or really good in marketing, but then you're trying to navigate the mental piece of that. You're like, I don't know what I'm doing.
0: Yeah, and, and I think t- – talk about this because I know you guys are, are still probably more in the startup phase with sports as suits. But do you see – you've talked about discipline and routine and, and all that. Do you see some common traits, though, between those – let's call them former athletes who have been able to transition to that next phase successfully? What are some common traits you see?
1: So dropping the ego and being open to learning – so if you see somebody that is in your network that you want to model behavior around, you got to drop the ego. First and foremost, you got to be humble and come at things from a humble perspective and always be learning. You've got to recognize like what you know and what you don't know. <laughs> so when I see successful athletes that are just killing it in business, I see that they're like they're very humble and and are um and recognize what they know and what they need to learn. But they're always disciplined around the learning aspect of it. They're always asking questions, willing to put in the work, willing to focus. They have a level of tenacity that a lot of people just straight out of the gate don't necessarily have. And they do have incredible leadership traits. So if somebody can just work with them to get them to translate how to lead in a business capacity, Man, they can do such great work. So that's those are kinds of the things that I see on a normal basis.
0: Well, and you bring up a, uh, you gave me a, a really good, uh, interesting thought around that because when you think of sports too, there's so many. You either have team sports or individual sports, right? And I think about a lot of the individual sports, golf, tennis, you know, tennis, um, track and field, whatever it is, where you are, you're just competing. It's you against the competition. There's not really a huge team aspect to it. I could see those kids struggling a lot to transitioning to business because you talk about leadership being a le- their sport required them just to focus on themselves. And now all of a sudden they find themselves in a business atmosphere where they've got to think about other people. That could be I got to believe that could be challenging.
1: You know, gymnastics is somewhat of an individual sport as well. Um, you know, there are team a- uh, aspects to it, but I will say. I was always around other kids. I was always around kids that were older than me, because usually when you're competing at a higher level, the kids are a little bit older. And I always had somebody older on my team to model behavior around. So whether that was good or bad behavior is a whole nother story, but I always had somebody that was pushing me, even though I was individually responsible, right? I was responsible for putting in the reps and, you know, staying focused and staying disciplined and doing everything that I needed to do to get to that skill or get to the next level. But I always had somebody that was ranked higher than me that I was modeling behavior around. Even when I got to level t- level ten, there were a couple of girls that were going to college, and so I was hanging out with these kids that were always better than me. And so that's another thing in a business setting. You know, I found a lot of success in business because. I hung out with the people that were willing to mentor and that were better than me. I still hang out with people that are more knowledgeable than me and that you know, have done incredible things in this world just because I wanna model my behavior around the success that they have seen.
0: You know, you just, I never, I don't know if I've ever thought about this before until you just said that. So I grew up, I was fortunate. I grew up in a neighborhood that had a ton of kids and I was one of the youngest so most of my childhood was spent hanging out with kids probably four or five sometimes six years older than me and i didn't think about it at the time but what you're doing even at that age is you're modeling them right if i was six i was modeling that 11 or 12 year old and that had a a profound effect on my life because it i didn't realize until you said this i was modeling other people even at a young age that i hung out with and I think that's why in business now, I constantly seek those rooms where the people smarter than me are sitting and talking. I'm willing to be the dumbest, the youngest, because it's only going to level you up. So great advice for anybody listening in. You want to you want up-level results, get around people who are on chapter 10, even though you might be on chapter two, who've been there and done that and start modeling them. That is great advice, Amanda.
1: Well, and there's two things you can either be in a room where you're leading or learning right you're either presenting or you're just sitting back and learning and most of the time and i've talked about this in other podcasts like if you find yourself in those rooms it's okay to just learn know what you're there for if you're there to lead lead if you're there to learn learn but don't deny an opportunity i see so many people andy that deny opportunities to go to meetings or to learn from other people because they get stuck in their head and think they know it all. It's like, no, this is an incredible opportunity to get exposure to other people. So use that to your advantage.
0: Yeah. And, and talk. So let's, let's segue way back into sports to suits. And if you tell us a little bit about how you're helping, if you can, yeah. because I, you know, when I look back at my professional baseball career, I was fortunate that when they, when my time was up, when I got released, I already had my college degree. So I had something to fall back on when it when and if it didn't work out. But a lot of the guys I played with, Amanda, that was all they had. And I I would I saw guys that were 25, 26, sometimes close to 30 years old in minor league baseball. And I knew they had nothing to fall back on. So talk about, you know, a lot of these athletes, they struggle to make that transition. They have some of them have nothing to fall back on. How are you helping them get into the get ready for that next phase in their life? Because again, for most of these people, they're still in their twenties.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean it's daunting. And somebody, I can't remember who it was, but somebody said on the on Sports to Suits Live, they said, you know, in no other profession do we expect people to retire in their twenties. You know, so (laughs) we have to start thinking about things from that perspective. I will talk a little bit about um, we just signed a partnership with a new football league that's coming out called the National Brazilian American Football League. And we are going to be their exclusive player wellness solution. So every single one of their players will be exposed to our workforce development solution straight out of the gate. So the minute that they go into the game, we are part of their solution. So it's not just looking at things from a reactive standpoint it's how can we be pro- proactive in the lives of these people to start getting them exposed to business so that they have a clear and defined path for when something comes up in the sport so that's a little bit about the arrangement from a league perspective you know we're going to be releasing direct to consumer model um, we'll be doing some coaching cohorts cohorts and things to that nature um you know but our really exciting end of 2021 was you know having the ability now to partner with this league, to be very proactive in how the players get exposed to business.
0: You know, I love that because when I think of what you just said, I think of branding as well. And I forget what college it is. I think it's the university of Washington, maybe just this past year, they actually hired a faculty member for the athletic department to help athletes with their brand. It was one of the first colleges that made that step. And it made me think we ta- we know personal brands in sports, right? LeBron James, uh, Tom Brady, anybody who's got a massive personal brand. But for a lot of these guys, these women, when that spotlight is turned off and they're no longer that pro athlete. And I hate to say it and be blunt. No one gives a shit about you anymore. Like they did when you were an athlete. We do. And wait, <laughs> I'll
1: just how, say sports of suits does. I mean, that's really where, that's where, where my going, heart where was, was going. To, yes. That's where I was
0: going. How are you guys helping? How, where? How, what role does branding play that's in that? Because I think, again, personal brand, all of a sudden, they don't know what their brand is anymore because it used to be athlete. Now I'm, wait, how do I build a brand for business?
1: I mean, it is a lot of different topics. You know, we've touched on high level a couple of them, but personal brand is – freaking huge. I've got a stepson that is a um, college ball player right now. And I'm like, you've got to start promoting, go ahead and get your LinkedIn, start promoting. When you are in a sport as an athlete, use that to your advantage. You've got fans, you've got parents that are excited. There are people that will talk to you. I mean, Andy, you're in sales. Like when you get out of that, it's, it's a different game. So use it to your advantage and start developing relationships, start developing your personal brand, start developing brand ambassadorships. I mean, now with all of the new regulations, you know, these athletes have the ability to start making money. Like start thinking about what is my life going to look like outside of the
0: sport? You know, and, and that's where I want to wrap this up today is so You know, when I think about what you just said, it's so true. I think about those Olympic athletes, right? For two weeks, the global spotlight is on them. And then all of a sudden it's gone. And, you know, I know Michael Phelps has talked about that, how a lot of Olympic athletes go through depression because for, for two weeks they are on the state, every millions of eyeballs are on them. And then in a matter of days, it's done. And most people don't get a chance like Phelps to go back time and time and time again, you know, when you think about that athlete who is transitioning right now, and a couple of these things you've, you've covered already, what would be two or three tips you would give them? So if that athlete knows their college career is about to be over and they're not playing at the next level, or they're a professional athlete and it could end any given day, what two or three tips would you give them to really get themselves set up for success in phase two?
1: So start thinking about your network outside of sports, use it to develop a business network. So for me, and I'll, I'll share my personal story a little bit. When I left the sport of gymnastics, I was so lost. I was a freaking kid. Like I was a young kid. So what did I do? I had my friends that I thought were friends that were doing drugs and alcohol and doing all these things. Like that's what I went to because that's what I knew was the kids in my neighborhood. And that's what I thought friends did. You know, so start if you're an existing athlete, start building a network, a strong business network before you even think through <laughs> leaving your sport. I mean, I, you've got to you've got to start developing it, in my opinion, straight out of the gate, straight out of the gate. Start thinking through who are people that you know I can trust, who are people that are looking to help elevate me? What are resources that I can use? So I would I would say that first and foremost is like, Think through who you are surrounded surrounded by and make some tough decisions because once you get out of that sport, those are the people that you're connected to.
0: That's really great advice because especially for those athletes that played at a really high level, your posse, those people in your network, sometimes... Aren't the best people, right? They're 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 your posse. They're they're hanging out with you for a specific reason, and so yeah, I think you really have to evaluate who's in your circle when you get out of that uh, that arena. Um, I got to ask, totally off the subject. You said your stepson's a a college ball player. Is it baseball?
1: It is baseball. Where where does he play college? He plays at Willamette. um, Okay. So he's a freshman. So
0: is that out in Oregon? Yeah. Ah, nice, nice. Um, okay, so. I'm an athlete. I'm listening in to this episode. This is the first time I've heard of sports to suits. By the way, Amanda's got an awesome uh, LinkedIn Live that she does. How often do you do that? Do you do that every week? I do
1: that weekly. And this week's episode is tomorrow with Travis Reed. So, Travis Reed was a former UCLA UCLA ball player, he played uh, internationally. His story is like amazing. So, if you're listening in on this, definitely check out. Well, and
0: that's you talk about modeling yourself. If you're an athlete, start listening to Amanda's LinkedIn Lives. You are interviewing former athletes to talk about their sports career and their transitions. Those are people you can be modeling. Now, for those athletes that do need help to take it to step two, sports so can, is over. How can they best reach out to you?
1: So they can reach out via LinkedIn. I'm super active on LinkedIn. It's just Amanda Banks. Um, you can also reach out to info at sportstosuits.com. I would also say, any former or existing athletes, I have a closed LinkedIn LinkedIn group specifically for athletes. So definitely reach out for that as well. We put a lot of really good content and information in there specifically to help uh, bridge that gap a
0: little bit. Awesome. You know, I and I, I'm gonna if I can leave a couple of lasting um, parting shots for the athletes listening in, Amanda. It's you talked about LinkedIn building a brand. Your the lessons you've learned in sports is some of the best content you can create when you get into business. You know, I'll tell you, LinkedIn for me is the main platform I use to grow my business. And a lot of my content is built around the lessons I have learned from sports.
1: Totally agree.
0: So I want to thank you for your time today. This was an awesome conversation.
1: Thank you, Andy. This is great.
0: I'm no longer excited that I'm coming to Nashville now, knowing you guys have snow on the ground.
1: (laughs) I mean, it'll be melted in 78 degrees by tomorrow, so you'll be good. good.
0: good But I hope everybody that's listening in, I hope you took a lot of notes. Start watching Amanda's LinkedIn Live Sports of Suits. Model the people she's interviewing because we all empathize. When you're an athlete and the day comes, you are no longer playing that sport, the sport you've been known for. When the spotlight's over, you've got to be able to take that next step with confidence and sports to suits is, is definitely going to be a platform that's going to help <laughs> you do that. So I, I know I say that cause you're in your early stages. <laughs>
1: we are, but it's been such an incredible journey so far. And like I said, we're very excited about the partnership with yeah. the Brazilian league. Um, you know, my, my thoughts would be like, just be proactive, please yeah. <laughs> be well, proactive in, in, in this so that you don't have to go through some of the things that we well,
0: do. and I just want to thank you for, for, for doing this. Cause so many athletes need this help. I know I did back when I was 21, 22 years old, I probably tried to jump in the business world a little too fast. Um, but, but athletes need this help. So thank you for doing it.
1: Well, thank you for the opportunity to to chat with you and the continued relationship. I'm excited to continue conversation. And for
0: everybody else uh, listening in, I hope you got a lot of clarity because you know what happens when clarity meets confidence, massive action happens. So go make that action today. Thank you for listening into this week's episode. And if you know of any other high achievers like yourself that you think would benefit from this episode, please do me a favor. Please share this with them. You would help me go a long way in sharing this message, getting this message out to as many people as possible. I'd be forever grateful. And If you really found benefit from today's episode, do me a favor, go subscribe to the podcast, give it a five-star rating, leave a great review. It always helps to make sure that this podcast is getting in front of as many ears and eyeballs as possible. Thank you.